All right, how we doing everybody? It is 4-10-19. I'm your host, Will Reddington, and welcome to another episode of Red Talk. College basketball is over, but that's no reason to be upset. Austin Bickett's here with our recap of what was maybe one of the greatest title games of our lives. And after that, Shea Martin and golf expert Dustin Fowler are going to stop in for a little Masters preview and to give some picks to get you ready for golf's biggest weekend. So a lot of good times ahead. College hoops may be over, but we're just getting started. Before this show gets started, let me take a second to talk to you all about O'Shea's Irish Pub. This Sunday coming up, we have the final day of the Masters and the debut of the new season of Game of Thrones. Can you think of a better place to enjoy some of that epic day than O'Shea's Irish Pub? I can't. Stop in either the downtown or Bardstown Road location Sunday anytime afternoon for 99-cent smoked wings and $6 Bloody Marys. Not just this Sunday, but every Sunday at O'Shea's Irish Pub. All right, let's get it going. All right, Austin, that was a lot to take in. College basketball is over. It was an insane season with a fitting send-off. It looks like Virginia's style translate to March after all. Last night was a blast. I loved it. It's what college basketball and college sports are all about. A game with the world's eyes on it that far exceeds expectations of hoops fans everywhere. My favorite newspaper headline, Who's Laughing Now? Get it? Like the Wahoos throwback mascot, Virginia Cavaliers, 2019 champions. It's beautiful. Recency bias kicking in here. Something fierce, Austin. I think this was the best championship game of my life. Tell me I'm wrong. You're wrong. Got to disagree. It was an all-time classic. Probably top five, definitely, of our lives, I would say. Got a couple reasons that it's not the best game ever for me. Number one, the first eight minutes of that game were absolutely brutal. They looked a little nervous it was, out there. It was kind of like cool to watch. Like, is anyone ever going to score? But absolutely brutal. People who had the over were probably just thinking, what did I do? Um, Easiest bet ever, though, on the over. Yeah, it ended up being, but the first eight minutes, you look like they might not get to 50, either of them. Uh, number two, the potential game-winning shot was blocked. I hate when that happens. Texas Tech had a shot to win. Even if it was Virginia, obviously everybody knows, if you listen to this, I wanted Tech to win. But just the f- I hate when teams get a game-winning shot and it doesn't even get up to the rim. Man, and how long did that take, seriously? Yeah, like, like one two timeouts, second. two different plays drawn up. Oh, and, and then, for that, I would. I'm, yeah. I was a Virginia guy, but I at least wanted to yeah, see that shot Yeah, at least get it up. Even if he rim. doesn't make it, at least give it a chance. That I didn't like that. I so anticlimactic. And then it gets to overtime. The margin of victory ends up being eight. It was kind of over with a minute, minute and a half left. I just I wanted to come down to a game-winning shot. It kind of did, though. That's yeah. one of those classic games where Texas Tech felt like they had it, and then DeAndre Hunter made that shot, Yeah, that and everything the, changed. The end of regulation was awesome outside of the game-winning shot being blocked after two timeouts and all that we just talked about. I don't. I think there's two championship games that I can remember off the top of my head being better than that. Okay. 2008, Memphis-Kansas. Memphis is up by nine with two minutes to go. The beloved Calipari leading Derrick Rose and all of them. That's super fair. I know exactly where I was for that. That was Me awesome. too, me too. We were like, what, like 14 years old? I can still remember where I watched it. No doubt. Derrick Rose and Memphis cannot buy a free throw. They go 4 of 12 down the stretch. Yeah, and him and CDR, uh, yeah. their two best players, 1 of 5 in the last two minutes on free throws. Yeah, they scored three points in the last three minutes while going to the line. Same thing there too. Chalmers hits that three Chal- down yeah, the stretch. That might be the clutchest. Second clutchest shot. Right behind DeAndre Hunter last night. Uh, and, it's up and, there. Uh, and then Kansas dominates in overtime. You know, same deal. Yeah, that, that's why that's not seven. number one for me because sure. same margin of victory. Number one, not that long ago, 2016, UNC Villanova. Awesome throughout. Marcus Page hits the double clutch, crazy three. Crowd's going wild. And then Villanova just without hesitating comes up the court, 
Archie Diakno just leaves it behind him. Chris Jenkins hits it from NBA range, literally at the buzzer. If you ever win a title in any sport with the buzzer sounding, it's all-time. Can't beat it. That is literally why you're on this podcast. That's why, that's the best championship game of all time. That all time. one right there. And yeah. it was only like three years ago. You got a little little crazy with that. You're recently. totally right. That's my bad. It's because I had so much fun no. last night. Yeah, it was an awesome game, especially the end of regulation. But, I mean, Chris Jenkins just stepping into that NBA range three. And oh, against man. a blue blood like North Carolina. And just, hold, you know, he just held just the held, pose. Yeah. And then the confetti just Confe- seems to come soon, down yeah, As soon as the ball goes through, yeah, the confetti's just shooting. Just an awesome scene, unless you're a UNC fan. Yeah, um... We'll get into the storyline of Virginia, which I think has to be considered when you think about it, maybe being the best championship game of all time as well. It was two first-time attendees of the championship, Texas Tech and Virginia, and just to literally come from the bottom to the top in Virginia's situation, I think does go into it maybe being the best championship game ever, but you're right, man. I mean, he, it was, it he was, stuck it. He held it, yeah. and, and Paige hit the shot before, so it was back and forth, and that was literally, you know, Carolina hits the three to tie it to send it to overtime. I believe is, was that that, yeah, that it was tied, tied it right. Yeah, and it looked like Villanova was going to win, and then UNC Page hits that crazy shot. It's not like he just stepped into a three no, double a clutch, double clutch, fading miracle. to the side. Yeah, and oh. then at that point you're like, oh my god, UNC is going to win this game. And then 20 seconds later, it's over. The confetti's on the court. No, um, you're right, man. It I have to have to agree with you. That's why you're here. That's why you're a college basketball expert, expert because you can just completely change my opinion about stuff. But this game from last night, man, it had everything. It had great offense. It had great defense, both kind of showing at times. Tough, contested shot-making in this game. Culver's left-handed spin and kiss. Hunter's lifeline from the corner. Hunter's I'm coming out. I want the world to know three and OT. Everything Kyle Guy did in the Final Four, I just thoroughly enjoyed it, man. I know you were riding with Texas Tech. And we'll get to that in a minute. But talk about a few moments in this game where you saw key turning points, a few memorable plays. What did you enjoy the most? So at the beginning of the game, it looked like Virginia was just going to run away with it. And then Texas Tech goes on, hits three threes in, what, 35 seconds, and it's a two-point game. It just felt like every time Tech needed a run, they went on a run. And then on the other side, every time Virginia needed to stop a run, they did. They hit all the big shots they needed to. It felt like... At points, it was over in the second half. Virginia's up 8 or 10 at that point on against that team. It doesn't feel like you can make a comeback. And then Tech comes back in 45 seconds. And, I mean, DeAndre Hunter, he hit every big-time shot that he needed to hit. I think he started out from the field like one of eight or something. It ends up 8 of yeah. 16, 27 points, 9 rebounds. The guy played yeah. 44 made, of 45 minutes. He made himself a lot of money. He was already going to be a lottery pick, but he made himself a lot of money last year. Most night. draft stock improvement in the NCAA tournament, for sure, in yeah, my espe- mind. And especially on one game, one no half doubt. even. Yep. And the one thing that will probably stick in my mind from this game is why, why did Culver collapse on the corner and just leave Hunter open? You could – you got to give up a layup in that situation. It was so weird because they defended basically the same play of the possession before so much better. Ty Jerome drove, and he was totally looking to pass, and he had to throw up that floater because yeah. it, they just didn't help as much as Ty Jerome had imagined on that ball side drive. And it, Texas Tech was in position to get the rebound. Nobody was open for the kick. 
exactly like you said, it was a terrible defensive mishap to leave that because at this point, Virginia needed a three. I mean, playing in the backyard, you're playing 24 by four. If you're up by – other teams up by one, can't give up a three. The guy gets by you, just let him go. Like, literally all As long as you don't lose. What's the one thing you're yelling that whole possession? No, no threes. threes. Yeah, stay out. Like No threes. I know the stakes are a little higher in the championship game than in my backyard, but it's just simple. You're up three, you can give up a two, you can't give up the three. And it just sucks because Culver's such a good player. He didn't shoot great the whole Final Four, but no, I, just, he, I can't what, imagine. two shots yeah, last night. Not not great. That spin was filthy, though. It was sweet, yeah. man. And with the, the left, in, and it looked moment, like it won the yeah. championship, too. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. And then that – and credit to Hunter for making the huge shot, but you're not going to get much of a better look against Texas Tech's defense or any defense, really. I just can't believe they – had that kind of mental collapse in that moment. Absolutely. And Kyle Guy played great, and he did get a couple really open looks. But you could tell that was such a focus. We're not going to let Kyle Guy get into his shot. We're not going to let him get a clean look from the three-point line. If you watch them run their sets, they had a guy grabbing his jersey, attached to him like Velcro the entire game. It was weird to see him just completely lose Hunter, who was absolutely on fire at that point. And for the whole second half, like you said, he ends up with 27 points. And he started out one for eight. I mean, he had been rolling for so long at that point, and they leave him wide open when they can't give up a three. It was really something else. It was really surprising. But, man, Virginia, Tony Bennett, this is the best storyline ever. And not just in basketball, my friend, but in sports. Maybe movies, too. This is a number one overall seed that lost by 20 to a 16 seed last season. Nobody has ever lost as a number one seed to a 16 seed ever. They come back. They reached their first Final Four since the early 80s. They go to their first title in school history. They win it in the most dramatic fashion. Seriously incredible movie script. True Valley in a Peak type situation. I know you're a Texas Tech guy, but, I mean, can you name any comeback story that even compares to this? No, and this season is going to be a 30 for 30. And it's going to open with UMBC just beating the hell out of them by 20. It, and that game, it seemed like UMBC was hitting a wide-open three or a layup every single possession. Yeah. It was so it, weird. It was a blowout. They, yeah. they were showing that score all, all day on the highlights when, when they start even the highlight reel today. Yeah. And Virginia had 44 points at the end of that game. And just how the tide has turned. I mean, these are the same guys, man. They did it with the exact same guys. They, they were well, yeah, bad. They didn't have Hunter last year, but and, and, and he's he, pretty good. And he, but they still should have got past a 16 seed and farther but just from that moment though that the work that they put in it, just to have that kind of devastation to finally reach that peak moment in sports it was just really cool the only thing that I could think is, is just a crazier better sports story maybe Leicester City at plus 50,000 to win the yeah, EPL but that's so much and it's not a comeback you know it's yeah. just a random occurrence story yeah. yeah that would never happen but that is comparable to like Weber State or Eastern Kentucky winning the NCAA title so that is a crazier story but in terms of a comeback it's the 2019 Virginia Cavaliers we got to watch it last night for just the price of monthly cable. Are you serious? I mean, not even really that. It's on CBS. You got an antenna. You got to see that. That is so cool. Let's get into this most outstanding player debate. Kyle Guy gets picked over Hunter and Jerome. We're some gambling guys. We got to talk about it. Was this correct or no? What do you think? I think it was. I also think you give it to Hunter or Jerome. I don't think there's really a wrong answer here. Obviously, Hunter was the most valuable player in last night's game. That's not what the award's for. And Hunter didn't play bad in the uh, Final Four against Auburn either. But Guy was awesome, and I think the reason Guy got this is because of the Auburn ending. 
They're down four points. First of all, just real quick, this is definitely the greatest comeback of all time, but what I'm going to remember from this Virginia team, they had the best three-game run, pulling things out of nowhere. These scores, Purdue up three with five seconds left. Virginia wins in overtime. Auburn up four with 17 seconds left. Virginia wins in regulation. Doesn't even go to overtime. And Texas Tech up three, 12 seconds left. Virginia wins all three of those. Crazy. Their win percentages were never above 10% in any of those moments I just mentioned. It just it felt meant to be, man. Yeah, team, the team of destiny to the max. There Absolutely. may have never been – I don't know, it's luck. It's also not dying, not rolling over, not quitting. I don't know what it is. But back to the MVP, uh, most outstanding player, I think when the voters are trying to decide between Hunter, Guy, and Jerome, I think it was Guy or Hunter, even though Jerome was great both games too. I think people remember Virginia was down four. They were done. They were out. Guy hits a contested three. He misses that. It's over. For sure. We're talking about somebody else right now. Yep. He misses. He makes the three. Auburn misses a free throw. He draws the foul, which was talked about for 48 hours. Clear foul. I, I think it's a foul, too. I don't know if you call it in the situation. He did. That's all that matters. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. That guy was definitely thinking, I'm not letting this gentleman land. Yeah. And no, he definitely totally got under against yeah. the rules. It's so. 100% a foul, but at the same time, a lot of refs swallow their whistle in that it, situation. They showed that uh, Syracuse-Kansas final from 03. I, I saw that clip the other day, and basically the same play happens. Yeah. It's actually kind of funny. that I think it's Heinrich. He runs off the uh, same screen, shoots it in the corner. He has no room to land. <laughs> and uh, you, know, you just watch Syracuse start celebrating. So I see what you're saying. I just think the – No, I, I think he got fouled as well. Yeah, they, and, and there was literally no room to land. That guy from Auburn, I, I don't know what he's doing there. Yeah, I, but he, he didn't even jump either. He just ran flat-footed under him. But let's be fair. Kyle Guy stepped up yeah, there. Yeah, that, that, he steps up. He's All had three. that smirk on his eyes. In a football stadium. In the, the biggest crowd he's, he's ever played in his life, uh, nationally and like in person. And we know Kyle Guy. We've been watching him all year. If that guy from Auburn doesn't want to go out and contest that, you know, yeah. if, he, if he's a step slower, that shot's going in yeah. anyway. It almost went in anyways. And one would have been way cooler, but it doesn't matter. Either way, they won. Kyle Guy, the ice king, man. Yeah. I, it, his, his clutch moment, I think, was the clutchest moment of the tournament, which is wild to say with Hunter's three and Diakite's uh, prayer and everything. But, man, DeAndre Hunter, 27 points, nine boards last night, like we said. He had 14-5-2 in the uh, Final Four game. What's crazy to me is I think you could have given it to any three of these guys. Yeah. It's without, not anybody else. Without any of those three not playing great, they don't win the title. How and about the minutes these guys logged, though? Hunter, 44 minutes last night. They were on night. the court. Kyle Guy, 45 minutes, doesn't come out of the national title game, plays 39 minutes in the Final Four. How crazy is that? I don't feel like most college coaches and, are doing that. And they had to do it. It seems like if any three of those guys were on the court, they were going to lose I felt, any of those games. I felt like Jay Huff and Jack Salt were factors for them Jay this Huff. season. They, Another Jay Huff shout-out from this podcast. Big combined seven <laughs> minutes played from those guys last night. Night. Jack Salt, four minutes. Jay Huff, three minutes. Two irrelevant players. Ty Jerome, 33 minutes, 42 minutes. It, it, it's crazy. Ty Jerome, though, he deserves to be in this conversation. 16, 6, and 8 last night. He does all the little things. He keeps it going. He seemed to hit a lot of timely end of the shot clock, in your face shots last night. He had 21, 9, and 6 in the final four. 
That's it's pretty incredible. And he's, it's, and he's the third guy we're talking about for sure. Yeah, I, that's crazy. Uh, Dylan Bickle, a Red Talk guy, wrote a really good article where today about uh, his NCAA tournament superlatives, and he had Ty Jerome as his most outstanding player, and I, I can't argue with. Yeah, him. there's no there's no wrong answer with any of these three guys. It's it's really it, any of these three. One of the best big threes, I think, that we've seen in a while, just in terms of the lack of scoring that Virginia was going to get from anywhere else. Diakite did have a nice game, 9-7. and seven. Even uh, Mr. Clark, number zero, who we've been Man. real low on all year, hit a huge three. It was just a cool story. I'm so happy for Tony Bennett in Virginia. I, I know how it feels to be dominated by Virginia as a Louisville Cardinal fan. They beat my team nine of the last ten times. I'm so happy, though, that their ACC regular season success has translated to March so we can ditch that narrative that this team can't do it because they're they're freaking awesome, and they could have easily won the title to me. Even last year when they lost to a 16 seed, they just completely collapsed in that first-round game, and, hey, they made it back. It's incredible. They won all six of their tournament games by a combined 46 points. That's the third lowest from a champ since 1985. My guy here with me right now, Mr. Austin Bickett, has one of the most astounding, heartbreaking, gambling stories to tell you of all time. It, not, not just with college basketball, of all time gambling on anything. And it involves this new crowned champion, the best team in basketball, the Virginia Cavaliers. Austin, I'll let you take it away. So I bet on all six Virginia games because the game was on. I wasn't going to not bet on them. Classic. I went 0-6. I faded them. I tailed them. It didn't matter. Obviously, I had him against 16, uh, Gardner-Webb. Thought they would come out just something to prove against 16 seed. Sure. Barring that they lost to one last year. Everybody saw all that went. They obviously did not cover that game. Next game, I'm like, all right, Oklahoma, plus 12 and a half. Virginia lets them hang around a little bit, wins by 13. That's uh, one loss by half a point. Next game, they play Oregon. I'm like, all right, not feeling confident about Virginia right now. I know they're going to win. I tease them down to four and a half. They win by four. Number zero, the guy we just mentioned. Mr. Clark. Mr. Clark misses a free throw with 1.1 on the clock. That would have covered the teaser. They win by four. That's two losses by a total of one point. Next game, we got Purdue. This was my favorite bet of the round. Purdue plus four and a half. I'm feeling like a genius the whole way. Purdue's going to win outright. I mean, Ty Drum's at the line. They're down, down three. two. Down three. Makes a first. Yeah, now they're down two. Misses a second on purpose. It goes past half court. All the way down to the other other paint, pretty your, much. Your guy, Mr. Clark, great Mr. Pass. Clark, same guy. Great pass. He's a he's really relevant to all these stories. Yes. He makes a, he does make a great pass. And Diakite doesn't even look at the rim, floats it up, Cash. he drains it. Survive it advance. Second it goes in, I looked at everybody I'm with. They're gonna win this game by five. You know how much they won by? Probably five. five. Yeah, five exactly. And it's kind of slept on that Ryan Klein, who went nuts against uh, Tennessee, missed a free throw. They even gave Virginia the ability to only be down by three. They should have been up by four. But, so, later in the Purdue game in overtime, I'm still going to cover the four and a half. I mean, Purdue's got the ball down three with ten seconds left, and Carson Edwards, maybe the best player in the tournament this year, just throws the ball straight to the bench for no reason. Watches it out of bounds. It wasn't really close. Pretty wild move. And then they foul with, yet again, one second on the clock for Mr. Clark and this time he drains both. All you can ask for is and improvement. Virginia wins by five. That's three losses by a point and a half total. So now that now they're in the final four, now and they're you're... in the final four, and I'm still I still got to bet these games. Yeah, you're they're not going to give up. You're not going to give up. So they're playing Auburn in the final four. I'm like, all right, no way Virginia loses this game. Auburn's hot. They just beat my beloved Cats. 
They go ahead and tease Virginia again here down to minus two. Just need to win by two. I mean, that is basically just to win the game. Mr. Jerome hits a huge three to put him up ten, about four to go. I'm like, all right, the curse is over. I'm going to win one. Auburn immediate 12-0 run. Literally from that moment when you said that, Virginia did not score for a good 10 minutes of real time and Auburn only scored, it was truly something to watch. I was really mad at you. I know we're friends and we're cool, but I was mad. <laughs> and then, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to lose on Virginia again. I don't care. At least they're going to be out of the tournament. I don't have to worry about them playing the gym chips. I don't have to bet them. Kyle Guy hits a contested three. I'm like, I'm starting to do a little math in my head. I'm like, they're either going to go to overtime or they're going to win this game by one. Kyle Guy gets fouled. I looked at everyone around and said he's making all three. Virginia's winning by one because I have a minus two. The rest is history. We go on to the championship game. It sucks game. you couldn't participate in the Virginia money line that me and some of the other no, people yeah, just, partied on. Yeah, yeah no. Minus yeah. two. Gotcha. Just one extra point. I was like, oh, why not? And then, so that's uh, three losses by a combined two and a half points. So... Texas Tech. I think that's, but yeah, that's three. Wow. Texas Tech is one of my my favorite teams this year. Obviously, I've been talking about them on this podcast a lot. Gave them out at plus 1,800 to win the title. So I, I teased them up because I had an open teaser, had to fill it with somebody. I didn't, I didn't want to bet this game either way with the original spread of one and a half because I didn't feel confident about it either way. So I teased Tech up to five and a half. Felt bad early. I was like, all right, at least it's not going to be a bad beat. Their Texas Tech is going to get beat. Then Texas Tech's up three with. 12 seconds left. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, but you know. I mean, you know it's coming. Yeah, I knew it was coming. And then, lo and behold, Mr. Hunter gets wide open in the corner. Splash. And you texted me right after and said, well, I know one thing about life, <laughs> and it's that Virginia's <laughs> going to win this game by six or more. And they sure did. Jarrett Culver's shot gets blocked goes to overtime. And then Tech goes up four in overtime. I'm like, oh, man, I might be good. Kyle Guy trips over his own teammate, blatantly right in front of his bench. Foul's called. I don't think Tech scored the rest of the game. <laughs> and I go 0-6 on Virginia. I didn't have a problem with the Virginia team coming to the tournament. I really like Tony Bennett. I like Kyle Guy. Uh, Jerome's okay. I like Hunter a lot. But now uh, I think I hate them all. I understand, man. There's something about betting on a team on or against them. And every single time you it's lose. It's not like I faded them. Like, I knew they were good. <laughs> yeah, it's just like when they, they knew what I had automatically and – they put a bulletin board material in the locker room. It's uh, it's just tough luck, man. That's uh, the nature of the game. I did I did pretty well in the rest of the tournament. Like, probably went about five hundred in the tournament. And half my losses were Virginia-based games. I could have had a really good tournament if Virginia just would have just not done that to me. I don't know why they did that. Yeah, I I think you said some stuff like you know worst national champion of all time. Lucky, I said luckiest, luckiest, luckiest national ever. champion. Yeah, I used some like more that. harsh words. I hear you. They were very lucky. They're very good too. Obviously, all credit to them for. Never dying and also never covering, I guess. They they were very lucky. They were very good. But you're right. They definitely made it interesting for everybody around. Yeah. Probably the best three-game run as far as just clutch games, putting your fans. I'm not a Virginia fan, but putting your fans through like, okay, we're out. And then just from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs in 15 seconds. 100%. Probably I mean, never see anything like it again. And hopefully I never see a stretch of bad beats like this again. But I probably will next year, so. Yeah, we'll definitely see. don't count it out, man. If anybody can do it, it's you. <laughs> best best three-game run uh, possibly in tournament history for sure. Best comeback story ever. Best storyline ever. All just really cool. I, I'm sorry. You know, I care about you. I'm I, over it. It was really <laughs> awesome to watch. Last thing for college basketball until 
I mean, it's going to be a long time. It's it's really sad. It's really sad that college basketball is going to be gone for so long. College and football is not back. Yeah, we got the drafts coming up. Yeah, drafts in two weeks. You're right. Everything will be fine. <laughs> one shining moment review. We love it. We wait all year for the three minutes of the one shining moment video. Came on about 12. 20 on the east coast 12 20 a.m so some people probably, gotta work in the morning i used to really enjoy watching that as a grade schooler and i think a uh, real stat is i think what we have here two percent of grade schoolers have seen the one shining moment video at 5 p.m the next day still i mean why is that game on that late it makes absolutely no sense, no sense. austin one out of ten what are you giving this year's one shining moment uh i'm gonna give it a f- Four and a half out of t- it's a lot. It's a lot of Duke. It's a Duke. Hi- it's a lot of Duke highlights for a team that didn't make the Final Four. I literally wrote in here. Zion was shown ninety it's times. Literally, Congrats to him. It's literally a Duke highlight tape with a cameo by Virginia at the end. Like, oh, these guys actually won the tournament. There's two clips from Duke North North Dakota State in there for no reason. I mean, the Zion slow motion block. It's cool. Like, I really like watching Zion highlights, but like that Duke did nothing to deserve to be half the video. Yeah, I mean, they should have lost three separate times, and they did lose. And just kind of disrespe- disrespectful to Virginia. I didn't see hardly anything from Michigan State or Auburn. I was in there a little bit with Bruce Pearl getting emotional about um, their guy going down with the ACL. I don't know. I mean, it was a kind of boring one, but at the same time, there wasn't a ton of buzzer beaters or huge upsets this year. That's what I was about to say. There wasn't. There uh, wasn't a couple moments. A ton of those, but the, the they waters. Had the, they had the waters scoop. They had uh, the hero shot. I know that made both of us happy. Yeah. That was so cool. Right after the hero shot, it cuts immediately to Auburn celebrating. <laughs> brought, my, <laughs> brought my emotions from very high. Like, oh, man, we we did all right this tournament. To, oh, man, we lost to Auburn. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, uh, I mean, there wasn't a lot for them to work with, honestly. they did. It was okay with what they got. It was just a little too much Duke for me, but that's how it's been all year. See Bleacher Report's tweet last night in the middle of the game. It's that Squidward meme of him looking out the window to Sponge, SpongeBob and Patrick playing. He said, Zion watching this championship game. They lost two rounds ago. Literally, it's not. Oh my god, it made me so mad. I like Zion. He's such a likable guy. Awesome to watch, but the media love for him, and not even love. It's an obsession. Stuff like that. I wish we could have seen an over under on how many times Zion was going to be shown in this clip and and hammer the over. I think I've accounted Duke. I don't know if Zion was in all of them. I'm sure he was. Duke was shown nine times. Yeah, I mean, Zion had to be in every single one. I, yeah, and they had like his whole like post game interview. Maybe he wasn't <laughs> in the exact clip where Dawkins missed the layup. Not, not he, the he's probably in the background. Yeah, he was in uh, when Virginia Tech missed that shot. They show him grabbing the ball and like celebrating, and then they show his whole interview. He's like, "Oh, that's what they call it, March Madness." I think the only guy who got to talk during the whole video. Classic. And so then Bruce Pearl. So great that we could see a bunch of highlights from those three Duke games where they went zero and three against the spread. It was really incredible. I'm gonna give the one shining moment video. A 10 out of 10. Oh always. Always. I love it. I it's always wait. awesome. But I was so happy at the end of it, like always. Congrats to Zion for being in there 100 times. Congrats to Tony <laughs> Bennett for winning the title. Congrats to Virginia. I'm so happy for you all. I didn't doubt you. I promise. I had the plus 600 Virginia to win the title. Didn't really matter because I took a bunch of other pointless teams to win the title. <laughs> sure did. But, hey, go Cavs. It was fun. It was a good season. Thanks for coming on, man. All right, guys, March Madness may be over, but the dog days are far from setting in. NBA and NHL playoffs coming up. The Derby's a month away, but fellas, in just one day, the Masters, the best weekend in golf begins, and we have four days of daytime sports that has the world's full attention. For casual golf fans, it's amazing. For you guys, people that absolutely love to watch golf every weekend, this is it. This is the weekend for you all. 
There's always baseball every weekend, but there's only one World Series. There's horse racing all the time, but there's only one Derby. There's golf every weekend, but there's only one Masters. What's your all's favorite Masters moment of your lives so far? Shay, go ahead. I'm going to have to start with uh, my 2012 Bubba, Bubba's first victory. Oh, we're going to get into him today. His uh, playoff hole against Louis stays in the second hole. He got that his that love, that left-handed swing out of the trees. No idea how it, how it happens, but absolutely loved it. Beautiful. That's your, that's your master's moment for life. All right. Dustin, what do you got? Well, kind of stone mine there. <clears throat> I'm going to go from the same round. Louis Oosthuizen's second hole. He's one back entering the day. Just rips off a double eagle on number two. The only one ever on that hole. Fourth in master's history to take a commanding lead. And you would think he would run away. But as we know, Bubba would later birdie four out of the last six and force a playoff and hit that miraculous 155-yard rope hook. Man, that's cool. That Memorable stuff, but that's wild. Both of you all go from the same year. Don't even use the name Tiger Woods once. You already know what mine is. Sergio, 2017, 30-1, shot in the dark. Truly. Sergio goes into Saturday with the lead. I'm at our softball tournament. Everybody's making fun of me. Everybody's being rude. Everybody's like, Will, why'd you take Sergio? He's never won a major before. Why would he win the Masters? He's born to choke. He was drastically up and down on Sunday. It was a war. He beats Justin Rose to win in the playoff. I'm with all my friends. It's a beer shower. 30-1. to 1. Sergio Garcia gets a like on every single social media post for the rest of his life from me. You can book it. You can take it to the bank. What a legend. None of us said Tiger. I don't know what's up with that. I hear you all, though, but we got to talk about Tiger. We're doing golf today. Tiger hasn't won in 14 years in terms of the Masters. He comes into Augusta this weekend as the 12th-ranked player in the world. He won the Tour Championship at the FedEx Cup playoffs in 2018, his first win since 2013. 80 Tour wins, second most all-time. He beats Rory in match play this past weekend. I'd say Tiger is coming to the Masters playing well. He's 16-1 to 1 to win the tournament, plus 250 to finish top five, plus 110 to finish top ten. Do you guys see any value in Tiger this weekend? I have a lot of value in Tiger this weekend. Coming off his best year of golf since 2013, Tiger is back. He's ready to go. Have you seen these shots of him so far this week at Augusta? I mean, he looks majestic out there. Those, those shorts, they get to wear shorts now, his calves, they're looking good. You know, I'm I excited. I don't know how I feel about his collarless Nike shirts, but I hear you on the shorts. Hey, Cavs. Big Cavs guy. <laughs> Whatever. Dustin, what do you got for Tiger? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a little opposite here. I, I'm not too – as much as I love Tiger, would love to see him in contention, I'm, I'm not too high on those odds. Uh, I mean, he is 43 years old now, and only one time in the last 23 years in majors has a player won at that age, and that was Phil in 2013. And over the years at Augusta, he's obviously dominated. He's in particular dominated in par fives. And this year he's 127th in par five scoring. Just not going to get it done. It's just not the same old Tiger we're used to. That and comes with age, man. Like, that's, that's a crazy stat. I mean, it, it makes sense, too. I mean, it's just got to be harder to win as you get older. Yeah, and, I mean, in relation to that putting, his three-putt percentage is unbelievable. I heard a stat the other day, actually. In his 2000 victory in the Masters, the day before, he worked on making 150 consecutive six-footers. What? Now, when you think about that now, his back doesn't allow him to do that. He's just not the same putter as he was in 2000. I think – I just don't know how much value there is. I'd love to see him in contention, but I, I, I can't bet it this week. I think I think the world would, man. I, I hear you. I, I think that that's the best way to go about it. The world just loves Tiger. Everybody wants to see Tiger do well. 
Everybody wants to see him in contention on Sunday. We'll see. I mean, betting golf is so hard, and I feel like Tiger especially, his odds are so inflated based on his name all the time, and it has always been that way, it seems like. He, he If he was a nameless golfer with his statistics, there's no way he wouldn't be like 10 more to 1 every single week, and it's it's kind of a wild thing, but betting golf's tough guys when you're choosing one winner out of 87 guys it's one of the hardest things to do in the gambling world it makes it really hard to take even one of the best players in the game at something like eight to one and ten to one because they're really just not good odds no matter what when you think of how many different outcomes are possible just two of the last seven champs of the masters coming in the top 25 of the world do you guys see any value in the big favorites this weekend rory seven to one dj ten to one I do. <clears throat> I like Rory a lot. Rory's been hot this year. He's, you know, played the best golf as of recently. You know, he did lose to Tiger last weekend. But Rory's been wanting to make a comeback at this Masters since his just collapsed in 2011 on that Sunday. And I really think this is the year he can get it done. I hear you. Dustin, what do you got? Yeah, like you said, I mean, golf tournaments are just so tough. When you think about 7-1 to one on a regular week, let alone the best field in golf, uh, it's just tough for me. The only one I would even consider is Rory. Uh, I think he's in a class of his own compared to everyone else. I mean, going for his Rory Slam, going for his career Grand Slam, he needs the the Masters to set it off. And it's just in the Masters history, he's like top five. He has five straight top tens in the Masters. I mean, that's incredible when you think about it. And that really is nuts. I mean, he is. He's like minus 200 to finish top 10 this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's rightfully so. He just overpowers the golf course, and he seems to be able to putt at Augusta a lot better than any other course on tour. Rory, most of the guys I texted today from the Red Talk crew, who do you like today? That's obviously who I got the most, the favorite. A lot of people really being bold, picking Rory to win it all. I love it. Was there anything about this board when you looked at these favorites, long shots that immediately stood out to you? thing that stood out to me is Spieth. I mean, so low. Between, I saw 15, 16 to 1. I mean, the way he's been playing the last year has just been pathetic, really. I mean, for his standards, I'm sure he would say it. He's just, he's outside the top 200 in strokes gained off the tee, driving accuracy. It's just very hard to play Augusta solid. I know his numbers at Augusta, only player ever to average under 70 all four rounds at Augusta. I mean, just incredible numbers. Never came outside the top 11. But and Last year at, at, at Augusta, that, that's his most recent top five finish. And in 22 starts since then, he has one top 10 finish and five missed cuts. Crazy to see his name up there at the top. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just crazy, but it shows what experience does at Augusta, how important it is. But we'll see what, what favors recent form or history at Augusta. We're going to see. It's going to be a fun weekend as always. As I stated just now a little bit before, the Masters is often won by somebody outside the top 25, somebody outside of uh, the top 10 players in the world especially. Who do you guys like as your sleeper this year? Shay, hit me with it. Uh, the first sleeper I'm really big on, Francisco Molinari. I like him at 22-1. to I think he's been playing great golf. Won the Open last year, the PGA two years before. Or finished second the PGA two years before. And I think he has a good shot to make some uh, make some noise here. Okay. Dustin? My sleeper is going to be Matt Kuchar at 45-1. to I mean, if you look at his play in the Masters, since 2012, four top tens. I understand he's never won a major. 
but he's in great form. Second in the match play a couple weeks ago, tied for seven last week last week in Texas. Leads the tour in greens and regulation. It's just tough to see him at forty five to one. Maybe he's in contention and can get that first major for him. It, it seems like he's been there every weekend. That was one of the wilder uh, odds that I really saw for this. It seems like with how he's been playing, he would be more in that twenty twenty five to one range. I like Fleetwood here, guys. I'm going Fleetwood 30 to 1. That's my number, 30 to 1. He's never really shined at Augusta. His best finish, 17th last year, but he's coming off two straight top five finishes. He's got seven pro wins. Haven't won hasn't won since Abu Dhabi in 2018. But he hangs around. I think he could be right there at the end of the weekend. So give me Fleetwood as a sleeper at 30 to 1. My dad gave me a cool stat earlier today, guys. Since 2003, a left-hander has won six times. That's pretty wild considering lefties only hold under 5% of the field. Three times from Phil, Bubba twice, and Mike Weir in 2003. Phil's playing pretty well so far this year. He already has a win at Pebble Beach this season, two top 10 finishes. He's won at this course three times, 04, 06, and 2010 Masters. He's just one away from tying Tiger at second most all-time. Dustin, what chances are you giving Phil to win at 40-1 to 1 or even a top 5 at plus 600, let alone a top 10 plus 320? I mean, it's you can't you can't ever count Phil out. It seems like no matter his age, his, his form, it's just Phil in a Masters. I personally wouldn't bet it. Uh, sticking with your lefty theory, I think I would probably – I like Bubba a little bit more. I've seen 33-1, to 32-1. to 1. Gotcha. Uh, I, I mean, he's always in contention last year. This course just fits him so well with that cut. I mean, it's just natural to him. It's just Bubba and the Masters, just what he does. I love it. Shay? Yeah, for Phil, the only thing I'd like about Phil, maybe the top ten. I'm not seeing a good final round out of Phil, and I definitely don't see a win out of him. I do for the lefties. Bubba would be the guy. If Bubba shoots well on the first day, more than likely he's going to be in the contention all weekend. If he shoots bad – He's probably not going to show up the rest of the time. It's more of those, whatever he's got that first day is going to be big for him the rest of the weekend. Okay, I like it, guys. That's going to help us out getting into our match play. One thing I love about golf betting, and especially the Masters, is that you can take one golfer to beat another and turn it into a 1v1 win-lose-draw equal opportunity game versus a 1-in-87 shot in the dark. Bubba Watson's my pick here, guys. I like Bubba Watson minus 125 over Tony Finau. This is Tony Finau's second Masters appearance in his career. He's got top tens in three of four majors last season, which is incredible, including one right here at the Masters. But Bubba, nine Masters appearances, and is coming off a year in 2018 where he has three wins, best best year of his career. I gave you my cool left-handed stat. You already said it. Bubba's around 33-1 to to win. Finau's all the way up at 40-1, to so I think Vegas is slightly with, with me here. Finau hasn't finished better than 22nd since January, guys. Bubba coming off a fourth-place finish at Valspar two weekends ago. Give me Bubba Watson minus 125 over Finau for the full tournament. Who do you guys have as your match play lock? For my match play lock, I got uh, Matt Kuchar minus, <clears throat> minus one and a half over Sergio for the weekend. That, I think it's locked in. Kuchar's been playing hot. I'm just not a Sergio fan. Really? Well, you know, I mean, I actually think Sergio's a, a pretty good guy and clutch performer, at least for one really important weekend for me, and I would argue him and his family as well. Yeah. You know, to his his own. Yeah, Madge Kuchar is not a nice guy, and him and Sergio have some problems that I really don't even want to get into. But uh, I hear you. Matt Kuchar seems to be a better golfer this season, and I kind of like that as a lock, but I'm not going to take it because Sergio's my guy. Dustin, what do you got? 
You know, I'm going to stick to the same theory there. I'm not a Patrick Reed fan. I'm going to fade him this week. <laughs> I, I'm going to go Stinson. I saw minus 105. You can get plus 100 maybe somewhere. Kind of a dog over Reed, which is kind of crazy when you consider his experience at the Masters. 13 trips to Augusta. He's got six top 20s, sure. including a top five last year. After his elbow surgery last October, he's got three top 20s. Seems like he's rounded into form a bit. And really, it's fading past champions is what I look at in this matchup. If you look in the last seven rounds by past champions, so you go back to Spieth and his epic collapse, you go to his bogey-bogey quadruple in that final round where he had a five-shot lead going into the back nine. You go to that. Then you go to back it up with Danny Willett the next year. Misses the cut. Sergio, next year after that, misses the cut, shoots ah, a million. Tough year. I took him that year, too. I don't like to talk about that as much. Yeah, I never had a shot that year. So, I mean, when you think about that, I think it's just a lot of pressure going into the Augusta, you know, all the media, all the obligations of the week, champions dinner. It's just – I think it's just too much for a player, especially like Patrick Reed, who doesn't seem – to show too many signs at Augusta outside of that one year. Seems like he's just never there, really. Yeah, and he didn't take that jacket off for, I don't think, three months afterwards. I mean, I saw would him. Would you? At, I don't think I would. That's fair, but I don't have to watch him every single weekend at the Rockets game sitting courtside with that jacket on. You know, I get it, man. You won the Masters. I think Sergio Garcia's Masters win was way cooler than his. So, dude, take it off. I don't, whatever. I, I'm not a big Patrick Reed guy. At all, either. No. 55 to 1 is pretty crazy for a past champion. I, I know Sergio's up there, but 55 to 1 is hefty. It's especially just last year. It just shows the kind of disrespect Vegas is showing, rightfully so. <sighs> man, Patrick Reed, okay. Stay away. You heard the man. Real quick, true heavyweight pick, 1v2 in terms of faves. Rory minus 120 to beat DJ in the tourney. Who do you all like in that one? Rory. Okay, fair. Dustin. Simple enough, Rory McIlroy. Man, Dustin, your name is literally Dustin, just like Dustin Johnson. <laughs> uh, Maybe you should have said Ricky Fowler. Why not switch it there? Okay, all right, all right. All right, boys, field of, tw- field of 87 here. There's 20 past ma- Masters champs in it. That's, that's pretty crazy. In the 57 of the first 82 Masters, the tournament came right down to a single stroke or went into the playoff. That's right at 70%, which is 15 percentage points higher than a normal PGA Tour event. It's going to be close. It's going to be a fun one, guys. Who's your all's pick for the green jacket? Go. My heart says Tiger. That's what I want to see. I want to see that Sunday red shine. You know, I really want to. Okay. But my head, I trust that a little bit more, and I got to go with Rory. I think it's his time. Rory, 7-1. to It's his time. That's so bold, man. I just love it. I'm a risk taker. <laughs> Seven to one, man. I mean, there's 87 golfers. You think it's Rory's time? If you want, if you want free money, you put it on Rory. <laughs> he needs this for the career grand, grand slam, correct? That is true. It's yeah. a lot of pressure to come into this weekend to be the odds-on favorite. Oh, he's got it. You know, that's it's 100% lock. <laughs> 100% okay, hot call. 100% lock. I don't I don't know that you can ever use that in terms of betting a <laughs> golf tournament winner before it's even started. Dustin, who do you got? I'm going John Rahm, 18 to 1. John Rahm, 18 to 1. Explain. I mean, if you just look at his recent form, his last 10 stroke play events, he has eight top 10s and a top and a tied for 12th. I mean, that's just incredible numbers. 
finished fourth last year. He shot that 75 opening round and then was the lowest player in the field the last three rounds. Just shows that he's he's growing mentally. He would have never been able to do that his rookie or sophomore year. Um, finally getting some experience. This is his third go around at Augusta, which is huge. And I just think it, I think it's his time. Man, 18 to 1, man. It, crazy. When you look at these odds – there's only nine golfers I have here below 20 to 1 or at 20 to 1 when you include Spieth. Do you guys have any more sleepers you want to throw there out at there at me? I mean, anybody else that you see that you think might really win this thing? Uh, I do, and that would be Brooks Kepka. 22 to 1. His last six majors, he's won three of them. You know. That's a pretty, you know, strong stat. One out of stat. two majors, that's a pretty good stat, you know. And good-looking dude. Play golf, you know, I like him. I hear you. Uh, my guy Trey Hayden, big red talk guy, uh, hits me up, tells me Brooks Kepka is winning the Masters today. Trey wanted me to know, went out of his way. He let me know that he still has two top two finishes in the last eight events, even though he's not playing great this year. And he showed last year he's capable of winning the big tournaments, like you just said. Brooks Kepka, I don't hate it. Dustin, anybody else? Brooks Kepka is an interesting. It almost seems like Brooks Kepka only shows up when he wants to. I mean, he's just got that personality. If you go watch him play a random week, probably gonna miss the cut. He just looks like a smooth criminal out yeah. there. You know, he's, one of the best looking guys on tour, just hanging out, tan, strong. Brooks Kepka. Maybe seen his bro. pregame. He doesn't hit balls. He benches. Is that 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 can't be a fact? I, that's I a fact. That's a fact. <laughs> you learned something he new benches, every day. I, I like, absolutely learned that. This guy. I, I didn't know that. I figured he was just doing what the other golfers were doing. Incredible. How about that? So I got some – I'm going to go a different route. I'll go mega sleepers here. Okay. I'm going to throw out Brent Schnedeker. Okay. You can, you can get him close to 100 to 1. Putts the ball too good. He's top 10 in almost every putting. If you just putts it too good to not have a chance at 100 to 1, give me $5 on him, maybe you get lucky. Uh, another name is Patrick Cantley. I've seen 65 to 1. Finally getting some experience. His numbers aren't too bad either. Maybe he can get in contention late Sunday. Okay, I love it. I've seen Cantley on a lot of different websites. It's a good sleeper pick. Snedker, classic name. I think the last golf video game that they came out with, which has been just too damn long on a new golf video game, there was only like 10 golfers on it. I think Snedker might be one of the Snedeker, guys on there. Snedeker was on there, blonde I, hair flowing. I love it. Okay, cool. Snedker 100 to 1. I mean, that's a true shot in the dark. And it's just crazy to think that Sergio seriously won the Masters at 70 lower than that at 30 to 1. <laughs> <laughs> truly was Sorry, it. What a guy, Sergio. Sergio. Truly was it. Awesome moment in my life. 2019 Masters, though, I'm going against my rival from that day. Justin Rose, 12-1. to 1. It just feels like it's his time. He plays well here. Runner-up in 2015. Runner-up in 2017 in the playoff. He's a number one player in the world. He's not the fave here. I'll take Rose at 12-1. to 1. Four top ten finishes in 2019. He already has a win. Has never won a Masters, but he also hasn't finished worse than 14th since 2013. I believe it's his time. Let's go, Justin Rose. It's our time. Again, we're back. Do you guys have anything negative to say to me about my Justin Rose pick? I, f I think it's fair. It's a fair pick. Cool. I He's worked hard on it, so yeah. I, I'm happy. Hey, that I love you. that you did the research. He looks good. I appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, Justin Rose. Dustin, you got anything? I, I love Rose. I think he's the most under-the-radar. What is he, number one in the world? Yep. I mean, under the if you ask random random people who's the top five golfer, you wouldn't you would get Spieth, you get Justin Thomas, Ty. You just would never get Rose, and he just he's there all the time. He's consistent. 
Absolutely. I totally agree. Let's go win this freaking thing. Hopefully one of us gave you a winner in there somewhere. 100% lock. <laughs> Rory McIlroy. Rory. Okay, I I don't know that you should go with that. With the house on it. Some of the other Red Talk guys like Rory as well. Dylan Bickle, Kendrick Murphy, both on Rory. Pat Sheehan likes DeChambeau. Trey Hayden likes Brooks Kepka. My guy Ronnie Sharp says that he's not a huge golf guy, but he'll take Spieth. Shout out Dallas. That's a direct quote. This was Red Talk. Thank you all for joining us. I'll be back with my hockey guy, Jack, tomorrow with some NHL first-round picks and some talk about all that Aaron Rodgers stuff going on in Green Bay. Thanks to Austin Bickett, Dustin Fowler, and Shea Martin for today's episode. Please rate, subscribe, and share. TTYL.